The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. We're joined with a special guest, man. If you were on TikTok, he's probably bombarding your TikTok page with takes, with gambling advice. Not gambling advice, sorry. Whatever you want to take it as. It is Peter Apple with the Just Baseball Show. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you. Face of junior college. I like that. I yes. like that already. Yes, that is something that is, it's just like, it's like a known thing. I hit below my body weight during the season, but in the fall, I was the best hitter getting D2 offers all over the place. And I was, I'm just a good Canadian kid. That's what we do. So you might be, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you may see why is Johnny wearing a Phillies jersey? It is because one of my best friends is turned into the front runner for NL Rookie of the Year, Bryson Stott. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about my guy, Bryson's thought. I was coming at the trolls on Twitter when they were chirping him earlier at the start of the season. What a stretch of games Bryson's thought has had. I mean, the great thing about Stott, too, is the Phillies finally have a guy who can play some defense, right? I mean, yeah. we talk about the bats every single day, and we because we everybody knew that Bryson Stott could hit. That was never going to be the problem. He's got a sweet left-handed swing. He was always going to come up. But what do the Phillies need more than anything is defense. Not only can he play a good shortstop, but with Bohm's struggles at third base, we've seen him move over to third and play some decent defense over there. That's the big key, at least for right now with the Phillies. Like we we uh, we did some mock trades on the Just Baseball show. And we have Ramon Laureano going over to the Phillies because they just need defense. Like, that's the big thing. But it's good. They got another big bopper in their lineup in Stott, and he's playing some good defense over there, which they need. He's just a key player for them right now. And honestly, man, this goes to kind of really show you um, that these old-style managers who just stick with the old guns that don't give the, the young guys, like, consistent IEBs, consistent playing time, those guys are fucking fossils. Like, Joe Girardi would play him. I remember this because – he was struggling, obviously, and we would we have a group chat with all our buddies and stuff, and he was struggling with it, and he would get pinch hit in the worst situations like when Daniel Bard is pitching. And you like you haven't played in two days, and they're pinch hitting you in the fucking ninth against Daniel Bard. So it's good to see. It, and it just goes to show the fans, like when guys get consistent at-bats and they're playing every day and getting in that groove, this is what happens. He's hitting like 400 since Joe Girardi got fired. That, that's certainly something. And and it's funny because he doesn't, um, when I just looked at the stats, like how he rates as a defender, he doesn't rate that well. Um, but maybe you've seen more stat than me. 
in my opinion, he's looked good at shortstop and third base. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, no, he's, a, I think that's what, that's why he was drafted really high. Obviously a shortstop that could hit for power. Like, I mean, he, he's an average hitter. He had, he's hit for average his whole minor league career. He started out when he was in low A or when he was in Williamsport, he was struggling a little bit and then just started breaking and never really looked back. He's just one of those guys where everyone knows this, right? Like when you're a first round draft pick, you come up in high school, you come up in college, you're never sitting. Like you're never having to sit for consecutive, like five or six days. You're playing every single day. And then you have to adjust all of a sudden to like be sitting back and like, I'm on the bench now and I have to pinch hit against fucking Daniel Bart. Like it's wild. And here's my thing with the umpire or umpires with the head coaches and the managers. I have kind of hung on this take and I don't know how good of a take it is, but I just haven't been able to figure it out. How much are these managers managing? How much does each front office talk with the manager at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the game and say, we want this guy in this scenario because of these numbers we want. And it seems like every old manager that gets fired or something, it's because of the lack of, you know, understanding between them and the front office. It always comes out analytics are too much. I still ride on the coattails of some of these managers, you know, understanding the game and and finding ways where it's like those type of situations. Maybe Stott lines up very well against Bard's fastball or something like that. And the yeah. numbers would say that he's due for a hit. But you as a baseball person know that Bryson Stott hasn't played in two games, but then Joe Girardi is doing that. So what is that relationship between the front office and the manager? I don't know. That's why, for example, everybody was on Boone, right? Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Like, he's a bad manager when the Yankees weren't winning. Haven't heard anything this year because Aaron Judge is the best player on earth. Like, we just don't hear it when they're playing well. Nobody was getting out on Joe Madden before they started this crazy win streak. I mean, there's some who just don't like their manager, but the vast majority of fans were not on him until the losing streak. Jordy, until the losing streak. It, they can only put the players on the field. Yes. Are there some bonehead moves here and there? Of course there's bonehead moves with every manager. And that's why a lot of fans look at the negative, but when there's positive, nobody's mad at their manager. I guess that's my main point. Yeah. And obviously I'm biased as Rob Thompson guys from like the town, like 30 minutes from where I'm from in Canada. So I like, I, I was biased. I, I think he's a great manager. He's been in the game for so long. Obviously it's going to make a massive difference, but hand up. I bet against the Phillies to like to stop this winning streak three times. And I lost every single fucking time. Like the angels <laughs> game where Bryson walked it off or yeah, he, I think he had a, yeah, he had a three run walk off or a, yeah, something like that. And I was cheering for Bryson, but my financial stability was like, fuck dude, what the fuck Bryson? Like if that's the weird thing about this podcast, cause obviously humble brag, we have tons of guys that play in the show now. Like we've grown pretty good. And it's like guys that I are, I'm boys with are fucking me financially. And it's just like, all right, you know, I got to tip my cap or I just got to ride with them. Like, for example, I have Joe Musgrove to win the, the NL Cy Young. I think that's a good bet. Great pick. It's an amazing bet. Jack McMullen gave that out as well at the beginning of the season. I said, Joe Musgrove really Cy Young because we knew he was great. I mean, nobody was debating whether he was great. But to take that next jump into Cy Young level and he's in the National League. This isn't the American League where, you know, 
it's kind of Garrett Cole at the beginning of the season, right? And we had some guys like Dylan Cease, but no one really, I mean, people probably expected McClanahan to do well, but did we expect McClanahan to be like the best left-handed pitcher in baseball? I don't know. Did we expect Nestor Cortez Jr. to be the best left-handed pitcher in baseball? No. I think in the National League, when you have Corbin Burns, you have Walker Bueller, you have the Jacob DeGroms, it's hard coming around and saying, you know what? Joe Musgrove will be the best out of all of them, but what a pick because he has. He's simply been the best out of all of them and should be the front runner right now for NL Cy Young or Sandy Alcantara Alcantara of the Marlins. That's a good one too. He is fucked. And let's go into, we're going to go into our gambling pick just for tonight because I want us to either look substantially smart by the, when this episode drops on Thursday, we are recording this on Monday or very dumb. My one pick for tonight, and this might be just an absolute crazy pick. I'm going with the Phillies Marlins over. Everyone is on that under seven and a half. That is such a, like, this may just be dumb. I'm not looking at any analytics, none of that shit. That's just such a small number of runs. And that game goes four, three, four, four, going into like the seventh or eighth. I mean, that's a guarantee hit. So maybe that's a dumb bet, but what are you on? Obviously not gambling advice, but what are you on tonight though? What is, so let's see, let's make you look smart going on the Thursday. So, well, first about your overpick, I love it because it's gross, right? If Arnola, Sandy, yeah, runs will be scored in that game. I, I would lean over. I would not lean under. I, I think you're on the right track there. I'm actually on the Twins money line tonight against the Roy- or against the Mariners. Excuse me. It's the last game on the slate at around 10, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Archer facing Chris Flexen. And here's my thing. The Twins are plus 105. They shouldn't be. The wrong team is favored. Yesterday, I had the Orioles money line with the same kind of, you know, thinking that the wrong team is favored. It was Brad Keller against Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer is not someone you want to tell, but you certainly do not want to tell Brad Keller. Orioles were plus 120 and they won 10 to 7. And it was honestly a bigger lead than, than that. The Royals got a couple runs late, but it was a big win by the Orioles. Here, it's the same thing. It's a fade on Chris Flexen and his 5.33 X ERA that's putting him in the 13th percentile among starting pitchers. He also has a 4.73 FIP and a 4.9 X FIP. Basically, what all those numbers mean is that regression is coming for Chris Flexen. Like a 4.35 ERA is not going to last very long. And 80% of Chris Flexen's, or it's about 79.6, but I rounded up, um, is fastball cutter. And the Twins are one of the best fastball hitting teams in the bigs. Also, in the last seven days, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Luis Rice, Ori Polanco, all of OPS is over 1,000. Twins offense is just one of the best right now against right-handed pitching. And Chris Archer, he's also probably due for regression. But the Mariners don't match up well against the slider, and that's Chris Archer's best pitch. I think the wrong team is favored here, and I'm willing to go with the underdog at plus yeah, 105. And you know what? And this is why I respect that play, because that's a play that you go and chase after you kind of get fucked on on a 7 o'clock slate. Or you just take your winnings and you're like, let me just put money on this plus dog here. You know, like, that's why. And this is the strategy that I have, and obviously I don't go to the analytics and shit like you do. But my strategy, I'm not really a parlay guy. If I am... I like to do a parlay one at every slate one at one o'clock. So I worry about the one o'clock. I'm not watching five fucking games at once. One at the four, one at the seven or four, seven, 10. I I spread it out. So I'm sweating one game at a time. Is that not the greatest strategy of all time? I don't know if people do this. Maybe I'll clip this for TikTok, but I think that's the best strategy of all time. See, I use that strategy for the NFL. I like that strategy in the NFL a little bit better. Baseball. The only reason I don't like it is because day games are where they get you. Day games are where they get you, so you could lose the parlay early. That's why it's tough for me. Normally, what I like to do, and again, I'm not a parlay person, but if you're looking for how to maybe play a parlay, get the 1 p.m. game done early. Get it done early, because if you lose, 
take a step back and be like, okay, am I reading the board correctly today? That 1 p.m. game, if you get it right, more often than not, and this is just for me, is that I feel like I'm reading the board better that day if I get my 1 p.m. game right. So I only will normally bet the 1 p.m. game on its own, then maybe look at a nighttime. If I'm up, maybe use those winnings a little bit less on a parlay, but don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially with day games, because that's where Vegas cleans up. We see overs galore when I have unders. We see no runs scored if I ever have an over. You know, we'll see a, a plus 200 dog win. It's It gets crazy during the day. That's my thing. So we'll go into a bad beat. So we'll, I'll get you your story on a bad beat, but I got to go into one of the worst beats I've ever had. Like, it was this week. I've had tons of bad beats, obviously. I've been getting for like seven years. But <laughs> this was the worst beat I've had this year in baseball. It was on Saturday, Rockies Padres. Rockies don't score on the top of the 10th. All right, that's fine. Bottom of the 10th. First guy on the Padres pops out. Second guy strikes out. So it's like two us. I'm like, oh, fuck, I have life here. So the third guy, first pitch, curveball in the dirt. Catcher blocks it, underthrows third, walk off, fucking underthrow at third base. Guy scores. When I got the Padres, I got the Rockies like plus 200. I was like, what in the flying fuck? Just, I, I couldn't believe my, I was like, I was like, this did not just happen. Like this. I didn't just lose on a fucking underthrow at third with Manny Machado running. So what 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 is your like historic? I guess this year bad beat. The worst bad beats are when they're on errors in the field because you can't project for that. It's just out of nowhere. Yeah. And my worst bad beat this year is I had an under in the first five innings and it was one zero or something. And I think the over under was three and a half. It was a low scoring first five innings bet with the Marlins, right? And there's a couple of runners on two outs. Jesus Sanchez goes for the ball. He's in playing in center field. <laughs> Dives for a base hit for no reason. Probably if he just took a decent route, could have just caught it, but takes a bad route, starts running back, then runs in, then just dives for it. And there's an inside the Parker home run that happened with Alec Thomas and a first five under. It hit him in the chest. It was just a base hit. It hit him, went all the way back. Trey Turner gets a triple to lose a first five under. So I've had two first five unders this year lose on inside the park home runs from what should be outs or singles just caught by a major league outfielder. Yeah. That ended up going over. But my so, worst pick of the year, I had raised money line against Detmers on the no-hitter when they won 12-0. That's, that's a really bad one. That's the worst possible, I think. But the thing is, there's such thing as like gambling karma where it will come back to you. For example, yes. like that bad beat that I had this week on the pass ball was in, I don't know if retrospects where I went to junior college. So in, in comparison to, I won a Phillies money line bet because Max Mun Muncie underthrew first base in extra innings and with two outs. So it all comes like back. It all comes back and all that kind of stuff. But you just only remember the bad ones. And, like, I'm a big college football guy. I love college football. I think it's the best. And it just – it always comes back. But what is your thing with first five unders? Like, that's, like, a, a thing that's starting to get really popular in, like, the gambling world is the first five. What is your thought? Are you just banking on the starters? Is that why you do that? Or are you just because you, some offense are a little bit slow? So what I will say, and sometimes I like to give myself credit for things that I know I can't actually give myself credit for just to make myself feel good. You know, just like, you know, I'm giving out picks. I got to I got to take some credit, even if it's not actually there. I've been betting first five since last year. 
and I felt like they have become more popular due to me. Yeah, probably not. Probably not give even you close. Credit. But yeah, I'll, I'll take it if I can even get one percent of it. The reason why I love first five bets is because I just isolate the starting pitching matchup. Like if I if I see two good starting pitchers who match up well against the offense, but then I got like two bad bullpens, or I have a history, you know, division rivals like. Cardinals Reds, for example, just actually lost on one, but normally those have been hitting well because hit hit the one the day before. And the reason why is because those games are generally close and like a Tommy Edmond three run home run or something at the end of the game. I don't want to deal with any of that. So what I'll do is I, if I know that the starting pitchers have good matchups against the offenses, but I still see maybe a little bit of higher total, or I know that there's been some history of late inning heroics that's when I usually target them. When I love the starting pitching matchup only rather than wanting to deal with any of the bullpens. Yeah, that see, that's the thing. Like when I take a first five money line and they end up like doing a late inning rally, I just feel like the biggest fucking dummy on planet. I'm like, why the fuck did I not just take full game? So it's like, it's a hit or miss. Cause you could also look at it in terms of, all right, I have the first five. They won the first five and they could go lose the rest of the game. So it's like, it's like a hit or miss with that kind of stuff. But I mean, so where, where where do you live? Are you are you a New York guy? Yeah, I'm I'm currently living in New York. I'm from Santa Barbara, California, but I've been living in New York. So I worked for the Yankees for two seasons, and then I left the Yankees to start just baseball. Um, it's actually a funny story. So um, I was working in season ticket sales, right? And it's hard to sell season tickets in a pandemic. Yes, like it's, it's a good point. Uh, It's it's I I kind of want to make it my first title of my book. Like if I ever write one, probably won't. But if I do, like selling season tickets in a pandemic, the story of just baseball. Um, but my buddy, who's now my partner for just baseball, because Arm Layton and I are the two co-founders. He was working as a broadcaster in the minor leagues in the pandemic season, but the minor leagues got canceled. So we were both kind of like, you know, I was still working for the Yankees, but I knew that it was just like tough. So I left, and we thought, let's go head first. And on April first. Um, we started on TikTok with a goal of a thousand followers by the launch of our website, which was in the end of June. And at that point, you know, enough that we had at least a following that, you know, this could work. But we had 55,000 by that date and it just, it just all took off. Um, so that's kind of the story, a little bit of the insight into how just baseball got started to just from the TikTok stuff, man, it went crazy. But just going back to your other question about like first fives. I, um, I did the data last year because we were we give three picks out a day on TikTok. I write a full article on JustBaseball.com every morning, and we were up 15 units. But I got to see like which of the bets I lost most on. So like overs, I got killed. Spreads, I got killed. But my best were unders, first five bets, and money lines. So now this season, I'm more focusing on those. Like, how can I find the best? Because those I feel like I can read while spreads, I keep getting blown up. And whenever I pick overs, it's always under. So it's that's that's how I'm kind of viewing it as well this year. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a good point. You mentioned the TikTok. So I have another podcast that's, I always say it on here. It's getting fucking massive. It's a Blue Jays podcast getting massive on TikTok. Hell yeah. How do you, and listen, they call me on another podcast. They call me Mud Boy because I always fucking argue in the comments with Twitter, with trolls and, and fucking weasels. And I'm always in there. If you, if you troll the Gate 14 podcast on TikTok and you're getting a response, it's me 10 times out of 10. How do you deal with that? Like, like I deal with it by just either one, I'll ignore it, which is what I'm doing now. I said Mud Boy's retired. Or two, I just fucking come at them like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, just how do you deal with that? You don't read it, I'm assuming, or what do you do? So they're read from time to time. Um, 
but at this point, like we just get, and I hate for this to sound like arrogant. I, it's just, we get so many comments. Like we just get, we yeah. just get a lot of comments and it's so hard to understand context of a comment as well. Like there could be a comment sometimes that all respond thinking that they're coming at me, but it's a loyal follower who's just making an inside joke with me. Or So it's so hard to know where people are coming from. And then you just get trolls that come in and, you know, they come into my live and be like, you're the worst gambler. And I'm like, dude, the great thing about TikTok is just do this with your finger and I'll never see you again. By you engaging, you're the idiot. You don't like the content. You continuing to engage just puts it in front of your eyes. Like, I don't want to see you either. Do this. Get me out of your thing. It's so easy. So with those people, I'm just like, yeah, continue. Like, do your best work because those type of people generally aren't the smartest. So they're just going to, at the end of the day, they're probably going to find other commenters who are on our side who will see that they're an idiot and then they'll take care of it for me. So it's like, I it's it's I look at a comment and I say, have a nice day. Yeah, well, see, let's listen. So I'll give you the context. So the last video, which did pretty well on the TikTok, was it was I was making the point that it's unbelievably fucking stupid that big league managers wear uniforms. Like, I just think it's the <laughs> dumbest fucking thing ever. I just can't imagine like a 60 year old like Charlie Montoya on the Jays having to suit up before a fucking game, put pants, a belt, a jersey, a fucking uh, a quarter zip before a fucking game to sit on the fucking bench. And people were called like, people were like the, like in the comments, like this is the worst fucking take I've ever heard. Um, L take, uh, L take is a big one. Just do L. Do, yeah. It's just the dumbest. Thing I don't even do. know what that means. Do you do research? Like there's such thing as Google when the point of the podcast is to like discuss why they do like just to <laughs> uh, rise the question. Why? And why do that? Like, is that, and the, the argument that was made was because, uh, managers used to play in the 1960s or the fuck. Um, it, why do they do it now then? It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Are you a part of, are you a, a baseball savant where you're like, all right, I respect managers wearing full uniform or are you on my side where you think it's done? I think it's unbelievably fucking stupid. Can I give you an answer you might not like? You, you like it? No, I just don't give a shit. It's almost like it's not like that. That might be the answer that you don't want to hear because it's like, I, I guess in my mind, like I just don't notice it or care really like that's my honest true answer is like for example the yankee beard thing right a lot of you know when i work for the yankees like even a salesman like me as a 22 year old salesman i gotta shave every day and like i'll get in trouble like that's dumb but i also don't care like i'm just so enamored and i'm gambling all the like i'm so enamored with the game and focusing on player evaluation like who i like the teams that those that kind of stuff bypasses me it really does like for example all the extra inning rules you know with the runner on second base I never really have that much of an opinion on it I know it's weird I just never do because it's like I know both sides have to deal with it the ballpark thing where people you know at Yankee Stadium short porch merchants both teams play there it's just I never get too involved in those kind of takes because I'm just and it's just me too, that I'm just so focused on the player and the team and how yeah. people are doing that they both have to deal with it. So I'm like, I, I just don't concern myself really with all that kind of stuff. But, but also at the same time, it's not like you have bad take. It's also weird that they do it. I mean, imagine like Phil Jackson lining up for the Knicks, like in a Knicks uniform. That's what I'm saying. And listen, That'd I'm just weird. like, listen, I'm just a dumb brain. So I noticed this shit. Like I noticed the little things when I go to the games and I noticed the little thing, like one thing that I got like that did well as well was, 
the Jays have a banner for making the 2020 COVID playoffs, like the two game playoffs. Like I roasted that as well. It's just the little things that I noticed that it's just, it's crazy to me. And I ha- it has to be discussed. And people are like, do you ever do anything but complain? But that is a great, like just the fact that that exists is mind boggling that they have a fucking banner for that. when they go And swept. never, and never stop making those takes because that's why your podcast is popular because people love that stuff. Like it's, it's, it's great shit. to know. I love it. It's just wild shit. It's just like, and the, the manager thing, I guess that like, it's a good point that, and, but someone said they'd stick out like a sore thumb. But my point for that is, is does the training staff stick out like a sore thumb? They don't wear a fucking uniform. They just sit in there and just do their shit. Like it just, I love the little things about baseball that are different than other sports because I, love I, that, yeah. I couldn't imagine fucking Bill Belichick wearing a Pats jersey on the fucking Imagine he's got lines. pads. Yeah. Like he had pads and shit. I don't know. That's just, that's just where my brain's at. But we got to go. Let's go into the. Obviously, you said you live in New York and you work for the Yankees. I hate the Yankees more than anyone on planet Earth. Rightfully so. Mo- most Fair people enough. do. Most people I'm also do. I'm also not a Yankee fan. That's like oh, 27. Like yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's good. You know? And most Yankee like, I'm not fans that. aren't. Most Yankee no. fans are. You just get obviously shown up by the other Yankee fans that end up fighting front of the podcast, Oscar Mercado and right field and shit like that. Like that's that's the people that overshine you guys. But I, I will admit this. The Yankees are scary this year. I can't believe Carpenter is just all of a sudden the best left-handed bat in baseball, which is fucked. He's just crazy. But Aaron Judge, is he, he's, he's legit. I hope the Yankees don't sign him. That'll be the funniest thing of all time. They just can't fork up the money to sign him. But uh, where are you at? I mean, the, the Jays are buzzing now. Uh, they haven't lost a series in about a month and a pretty – like a month, yeah, a month and a bit. So this AL East is going to be legit, man. I, I'm so excited for it. The Yankees are coming to town this weekend. It's going to be sick. So here's my thing about the Yankees and, you know, at the beginning of the Just Baseball show, because it's like no matter what Yankees take I give off, people know I'm a Yankee fan. It might come off as bias. Like it just just might. You know, when I'm saying the Yankees are good, you're just going to be like, he's a Yankee fan. So it's so that's why it's like, you know, you don't really see me bet on them. You don't really see me talk about them that much because I just always get that. But what I did say at the beginning of the year, and I harped on this, and I was like, this is not bias. This is objectively true. The Yankees won 92 games last year with Jay Bruce getting at bats, with Rugnit Odor getting at bats. Like, this was an opening day lineup that had Jay Bruce at first and Gio Urshela at third. Now this opening day lineup had Anthony Rizzo and Josh Donaldson. They had a better defensive shortstop in IKF. They finally got rid of Gary Sanchez, who I think – and now here's my Yankee bias coming in was like one of the main reasons we don't win. I I think his defense combined with his ineptitude at the plate in big moments has been major reasons why the Yankees have not been very successful. I think the catcher is a very important aspect. And now what we're seeing is that Jose Trevino isn't hitting the cover off the ball, but look at the Yankees pitching staff now. I mean, look at it. And what the Yankees a fraud though, right? We can admit, and listen, I'm going to clip this, and you're, you might get flocked for it on TikTok. Garrett Cole, in my mind, is the worst pitcher on that rotation. Or the, listen, the least consistent, the least consistent. J-Mo's been lights out. Jordan Montgomery's been pretty decent. I mean, a guy that's like, great. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, J- Jordan Montgomery's been good. I think, and obviously Nestor's been Nestor's unreal. Jordan's been great too. Garrett Cole is the most inconsistent pitcher on that rotation. None of those guys are giving up five fucking home runs when i took his strikeout total no one's doing that it's just him that's giving that's getting fucking launched on what's your take on is garrett cole right now the most well won't say worst obviously the most inconsistent guy on that rotation well i think that's an easy answer right now because 
the rest of the Yankees rotation has been the most consistent in baseball by a large margin. Yeah. So when you have Garrett Cole starts where sometimes he has a blow up start, it has to be the answer that he's the most inconsistent right now. But if I brought you through his month by month in April, he's two and zero with a three ERA in May. He's two and one with a three to one ERA. He had a couple bad starts in June. So he hasn't been as bad as everybody's making it seem like. For example, if J-Mo was not having a good year, and maybe Jordan Montgomery was in, the high, was in the high threes or something, we wouldn't be saying this about Garrett Cole. It's almost, it's just more illuminating now that Garrett Cole has a 3.63 ERA when the rest of the rotation that is, that is, is better than him. With the amount of money he is getting, though, a 3.63 ERA is pathetic. Like, but I have to say is, do you think that's going to last for the whole year? Do you no, I, I obviously it won't. But listen, like, J-Mo, and obviously I'm biased because, like, another name drop, he's a good friend of the show. He has been lights out, man. Like, I don't know Phenomenal. if it's just- I don't know if it's just like the rejuvenation maybe of Trevino being behind the dish, like you mentioned, or just like he's fully healthy now. He's not really knock on wood getting injured and stuff. Hilo. But um, great. he's been electric. Like, yeah. And and if, I, if I'm a better, and I'm betting on the Yankees, I am more comfortable betting on them when he or Montgomery or Nestor Cortez is on the mound because you never know when Garrett Cole's going to get blown up like that. Like, you never know if he's going to get – like, that Tiger start was embarrassing. The Twins one was tough. And obviously, I'm just I'm highlighting the tough ones, but that ERA is not ideal. It's double what Alec Manoa's is. It's du- literally double. And I'm obviously I'm biased, but that is crazy. Like for a Garrett Cole type of guy, he's never he's I don't know if he's ever put that type of numbers up at this point. You're you're not lying. Like nothing that you're saying is incorrect. And also, just the thing about JMO for a second. Not only is it the velo, but I mean the command. He's got a 2.6 percent walk rate. That's unheard of. Wow. And if we're talking about Velo, like he's 93-9 this year and he's 93-9 last year. In my opinion, it looks like he's throwing harder this year. Like I, I know the numbers would say that it's exactly even. I feel like he's touching 96 more than he has in previous years. So not only does he look healthy, but he's commanding the ball. And he just has confidence in his stuff. And this is the guy from Pittsburgh because the Yankees did give up Risney Contreras. And if you've seen him on the oh Pirates, my, dude's got disgusting is... stuff. Holy That's what the Yankees fuck. trade for him. And then Kanan, um, Smith, Jiba. Front I, of the I, podcast. He, and I listen, apologize. He's gross. He is good too, dude. He's good. Gross. Gross. I, I said at the time, at the time of trade, the Yankees lost that deal. Because I thought Kanan, he had hit through the minor leagues like nobody's business. And now he's finally debuting with the Pirates. Yeah. And then we've seen Royce Contreras. He's had some blow-up starts. He's a young rookie. But the stuff is evident. And, you know, with JMO pitching this well, it's it's probably a win-win. But the Pirates did get a great deal there. It's not a detriment to Tyone. It's almost just a positive about how good these prospects were that the Yankees had to give up. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you're mentioning Keenan Smith, I mean, he, like I said, I'll, I will be attending his Pittsburgh debut on Friday. I'll be making the drive, a little four-hour, little nugget there, a little pre-announcement because I do the vlogs when I go to games and shit. I'll be going to that game. He told me he told me a couple of weeks ago, and it told me that yesterday that he's getting, like, it's coming. So he is a bat that I think people should actually, like, really look into, like, fantasy. I'm not a big fantasy baseball guy. I don't Great. know anything about that stuff, but. He is a really good bat. I believe he's hitting 390 in his last 30 days in AAA or something along those lines. He's good. He hits everywhere he goes. 
he's going to be good. And But the thing about the Yankees is, is like, that kind of bat is like a dime a dozen. There's so many of those bats in the Yankees minor league system. And then you got fucking Judge, Stanton. Where are you at with Gallo, by the way? He's actually not been that bad the past week and a bit, right? Yeah, he hasn't been. He hasn't been that bad lately. You're right. Um, hopefully he continue this is how I will say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you want me to say? He, I mean, this guy, like, it's excruciating he, to watch. If I mean, he wasn't, if, it, his, if his name wasn't Joey Gallo, he'd be in AAA, right? We can establish that. If his name wasn't well, exactly. Joey Gallo. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, we're supposed to also find out that Joey Gallo is this otherworldly defender, right? Pretty good left fielder. Pretty good right fielder. Elite? Please. Yeah. That's good. Kind of, I don't know. That's my thing. It's like, I knew he was probably going to hit 200. But he's got to strike out this much. And he's not playing the best defense. I mean, he's playing fine defense. Like, let's just, let me just do a quick search of like where he ranks and out above average right now. He's, just because that's that's a range-based metric for these guys too in the outfield. Yeah. Um, like I just want to see where he's at right now because maybe maybe I'm eating my words here and maybe he has been a better defender than I've said. Um, just from you know I I don't miss a Yankee inning, and no, I, he's in the ninth percentile now. It's above average. Oh my god, the ninth, the ninth. Holy fuck, man, that's bad. His outfield, their jump is in the thirtieth percentile. Wow. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, so I okay, so he has, I mean, there's just that weird narrative that he's so good defensively. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Yankees games, obviously, but that is crazy, but Let's go into the other team there at least that I obviously love talking about is Toronto Blue Jays. I made I made a I think a tweet or a TikTok today. Alejandro Kirk is an all-star, right? That's just if he's not an all-star, we ride. All-star. Definitive should be the all-star, no question about it. No doubt. All right. I'm glad we can all agree on that, especially as a Yankee fan, obviously. Like, we're not, you're not like the Yankee fan that's roasting Jays and stuff. But he, he's that's the been- thing is, I love the players on other teams. Like, that's that's my thing. It's like, as I, I, I cover the whole league, my just baseball show is all MLB. It's not Yankees. So it's like the Yankees are my personal favorite team. Like, I grew up with them. I was born in Staten Island, New York. My dad was a huge Yankee fan. I'm a Nick fan, too. But like, I love players on the Red Sox. I love players on the Blue Jays. I love watching Blue Jays games. I think the Rays have it figured out. And there's guys on the Orioles that I enjoy watching too. 
I fall less out of the fandom and more into let me find the greatest players and let me have the best takes because like what we need another Yankee fan on the mic. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) So, so with that said that, that I just really enjoy watching blue Jays games. And there's a lot of players. I have a lot of opinions on dude. And one thing I'll give you a little nugget here because obviously we dive into that type of stuff. So just so you know, from years coming, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is the best hitter in baseball after the month of May. In, yeah. the, in the month of June, he's, his average in his career is over 350. It is fucking wild. He hits like below 210 from April, May, and then June, he's just the best hitter ever. Like, it's wild. So I've just been raking in money off his total bases because it's like an undervalued thing because it's something that not many people really look into. But he's been just lights out, man. Lourdes Gurriel. Teoscar Hernandez is one of the most underrated outfielders, I think, in baseball. It's just, I love watching this team play. Obviously, I'm really, I go to like every game almost. It's just incredible to see. And this AL East matchup against the Yankees, just the Jays Yankees going punch for punch is going to be maybe one of the most fun I think I'm ever going to have as a Jays fan. Like, seriously, for the rest of the, it's going to be, it's going to be incredible because the Yankees aren't slowing down. They aren't at all. No, my thing, I called Teoscar Hernandez before the season, the most underrated player in the entire sport. Like the entire sport. How many guys are hitting 300 with 30 bombs with speed and can play a defensive outfield? Not many, but yeah. not a lot of people know about Teoscar Hernandez. That dude, to simplify it, rakes. He just rakes. But it's not that he just rakes. He's a very good all-around player. But my one gripe with Teoscar Hernandez this year is his freaking defense in right field. Oh, it's been terrible. I mean, dude sucks out there. Like, can we be honest about that? Yeah, it's been terrible. Sucks this year. What? He's lost me bets, too. Like, what a disaster in right field. Yeah, he's been a disaster. He's been a disaster. And I'll ask you this, and let's see your knowledge here. Do you know who Teoscar Hernandez was traded for to the Blue Jays? I do not. Francisco Liriano. That was the trade. The biggest fleece in the history of baseball. Francisco Liriano. For fucking Tay Oscar, Silver Slugger winner, All Star, one of the worst trades ever, I think. Let me give you a bigger fleece. Do you know who Jordan Alvarez is traded for? No. Jordan Alvarez was a Dodger and went to the Astros for Josh Fields. Oh my God. Wow. So the Astros are getting fleeced and they're doing fleecings. That, that's wild. That's a wild. wild. That look, one blows my mind every time. Like Jordan, who could be a Hall of Famer for a guy bad. who doesn't pitch. That's so bad. That's inc- I mean, that's just absolutely fucking terrible, dude. I, I mean, that's just that's just the old heads in the front office and shit like that. I mean, who's one system that you think does the best? And obviously, I think it's going to be the Rays. But who do you think want the system that does the best in terms of developing guys? Like, I think it's obviously the Rays. That's just easily. I think it's the Rays. But I mean, the Dodgers do a really great job, too. Yeah, Dodgers do a really great job, too. Um, You know, I would say the Dodgers and the Rays are at the forefront. But I think the Giants with Farhan Zaidi you're going to see a lot of them come up and immediately make an impact. I like what the giants are doing. Um, it's such a good question. I would say the Dodgers and the Rays are at the forefront of that. Have to oh, be, have yeah. to be. And and there's this, uh, 
like, and obviously the Jays have done, obviously, like all this young talent, they've come up. There's one kid that you got. I don't know if you've already looked into him is Ricky Tideman, Tiedemann, whatever the fuck you say it. He's this left-handed pitcher from fucking God knows where he's in. He has he, his whole career as a sub one ERA in the minors. He's the most fucked human being. I think his stats are video game cheat numbers. So, and wow. Mark Shapiro, he's in low A right now. He said he has big league shit right now. And I mean, his ERA is 0.3. So maybe that's true, but. I mean, there's just so many like sick prospects, but that's the thing about baseball compared to other sports. There's so many more busts. There all so, there always will be, because it's forty rounds of draft. Yeah, I mean, there's and you got a whole minor league with four levels. Yeah, there's, oh, there's always going to be busts. Another thing that I have to go into is the the perfect mix that I noticed, like of analytics and just also having feel. Like, where do you stand with that? Like what manager in your mind like exemplifies like the perfect mix of like having feel as well as like the analytics because Kevin cash is an extreme. I think Alex core of the Red Sox does that the best. I think he has a proven model where it's like he has a relationship. It seems, and maybe I could be wrong on this because again, it's so hard to actually know, but it does seem that the relationship between Heim Bloom, the GM of the Red Sox, who was a former Rays guy, big analytics guy, and Alex Cora, who's a younger manager, but seems to have a good grasp on the analytics. But also, he was a former player. He seems to have a good feel for the game as well. I would say that Alex Cora exemplifies the idea of merging analytics with the real baseball mind, because that's the hill I'm dying on. I'm never going to be all analytics or all feel. It has to be a combination with both. Analytics shouldn't scare you. Like the more X's in front of a number shouldn't scare you. It's these are numbers that front offices are using to make evaluations. Shouldn't we as baseball fans follow a similar path, but also understand that the answer to your question of how good a baseball player is cannot just be from the numbers. If it was, we'd all be on an island somewhere because we figured out the game of baseball. Yeah, that doesn't the, happen. Yeah, I, it's just uh, it's it, I, I'm not really I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a big analytics guy. I'm more of a field guy in general, like just understanding if a guy is like doing well, you leave him in, not because a computer tells you to take him out. Like and I love the fucking Twitter eggs that are just like they assume everything has to deal with analytics. Like when Clayton Kershaw got taken out during his perfect game, there was these like old heads on Twitter like, oh, there goes fucking analytics again. And one guy who's the biggest fucking loser on Twitter who has me blocked now, Jeff Fry. I don't know if you know who that is, but he always makes fun of people's hitting videos, like the the new technology, like driveline shit. And I always roast him for it. I think he heard the pod and blocked me because he knew I would just, I would just continue to roast him. But I love, I'm just so fascinated with the old heads on Twitter that use analytics as an excuse for every single bad things that happens in baseball. It's just the greatest thing ever. I love watching it, seeing it unfold. I love watching the other side of it, the the analytics user who I don't know if they've turned on the TV and they make takes about players where I'm like, excuse me, you like that player because his ex-Wobicon is higher than this other player? No way you actually like that player. You haven't seen him, have you? You haven't seen that his swing sucks. You haven't seen any of that, have you? This you is what we're going to do. Sucks in the field. This is what you and I are going to do. So, so it's like the, it's two sides. That's that's a very good point. This is what you and I are going to do. We're going to see if if our armies, like our listener, all just whatever. Let's pick a random player and just dissect all these facts that kind of look good. Like yeah. you and I will pick a guy and we'll turn in just the biggest guys of all time of that player. 
and we'll dissect it and just try to convince people that this dude, one, should be playing more, or two, is just like an, a, a hidden gem that teams should be trading for at the deadline. We so got to figure know, out that guy. Do you know my guy? Because I already have a guy for this. You, oh, it's you Cal Quantrill. Do. It's Cal Quantrill. Okay, front of the podcast again. Sorry, I'm humble bragging. That's another front of the podcast. Oh, that's fire. I mean, you get Cal Quantrill on. My dream is to talk to Cal Quantrill because I'm in love with the man. What do you love about Cal? What I love about Cal is his his hate from the analytics community. While day in and day out, this dude comes in and shoves. Day in, day out, every. he He was my most profitable pitcher to bet on last year. This year, again, the most profitable pitcher. Vegas undervalues him. The analytics community undervalues him. They see a blue savant page and they say, this guy's no good. He's one of the better pitchers in the National League. I'm going to stand on this. I've known him, well, not known him personally, but I've been following him since he was at Stanford. I've always thought that he had impeccable command, but not only just command and not walking guys, because the walks can come in and people, you know, I I say he has impeccable command and someone throws at me, well, he's got a 10% walk rate. Yes, he his walks might be higher right now, but I think he has great command within the strike zone that he can place his pitches wherever he wants to within the strike zone, not just be able to throw strikes, but commanding within the strike zone. I think he's fantastic at that. I just think he has a knack for keeping the ball off the sweet spot of the barrel and not a lot of hitters can figure him out. Yes, is he privy to the home run ball because he doesn't throw 97 and he might hang like a 91-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle that goes out? Of course, every that happens to everybody. But if you look at start over start over start, this guy continues and continues to shove. I bet my co-host, he's like, I'm going to get a tattoo of Cal Quantrill if he has under a 3-5 ERA because he won't. And I said, watch. You just buried yourself that's in a, a terrible bet. That's a bad bet. And, that's and, like now a- he's, and now he's got a 3-3-2. He's just going to continue to shove while most of the people who only look at his savant are just going to be like, he's a bad pitcher. And I'm like, I don't think so. But we will see. We will see. We'll definitely see. And my guy that I'm going to take advantage of, and I'm going to start that narrative that he's like the greatest hitter of all time. And I just picked this out randomly. I don't know what his numbers are. Is Michael Chavis. That's it. I just look. I'm looking through a lineup, looking through the Pirates today. Michael Chavis is the guy. I'm going to make a narrative that he is the best hitter in baseball. No idea why. I'm going to deep dive into his analytics and just pickpocket the red numbers on the fucking baseball savant page. And he will be the guy that everyone loves. Everyone goes for, but it's on, it's an honor. It's Cal Quantrill is your guy, friend of the pot. I mean, you love to see that type of shit. I'm in love. I think Cal Quantrill is like, I'm going to, I think I bet on it is every start every single time. And he wins every single time. He started yesterday, right? Yeah. Did they win? Yeah. They they won. They covered two and and a half. And a little, and a little bit of a secret here for, I don't know if, if you, what sites you use, but, this is a free ad. There's a site here called Bet365. Obviously, you know that site. I'm assuming you know that site. Yeah, th- yeah, I've heard of it for sure. So it, they do early payout. So if the baseball team you bet on goes up five, you just get your money like at one, no matter if they lose. So they do early payout with that. With soccer, it's two goals, which is fucking wild because two goal leads are nothing in soccer. With football, I believe it's 21 point lead. You get your money back. You get, you get your winnings no matter what happens if the game loses early payout. It's the wildest shit ever. So I think that's what the Indian, uh, the Guardians did yesterday. They were up by five at one point. But, dude, we got to go into the A's, though. Well, a couple more things we got to talk about here. The mm-hmm. Oakland Athletics. I, mm-hmm. I made this take, and maybe you can kind of back me up on this. I don't think every team should be represented at the All-Star game. Where do you stand on that? Totally agree. Why should you just, because you're a team, get a player who's less deserving over another when a lot of guys' contracts 
you know, incentives, all-star game. And they don't get it because the A's just have to have sh- Frankie Montas in there, but Frankie Montas has been fantastic. He but might get traded though before that. He might get so, traded before it even happens. So I agree. I totally agree with that point. Totally agree. It just doesn't make sense. And for example, like a team like that's really good, like Dodgers, Yankees, Blue Jays, like you could make an argument that four or five guys on those teams could be in the all-star game. So why the fuck? And people were arguing with me in the comments, like Trey Mancini should be in the all-star game. Trey Mancini isn't bad. Like I'm, I'm, I'm Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins deserves to be in the all-star game. Sure. I'm talking in terms of like when you have a team as pathetic as the Oakland athletics who legit just do not care about putting on a good product on the field. That's just plain and simple. Why should they be rewarded with the fucking all-star? Why? I don't have the answer for you. I do not think that they should. It's so dumb, dude. Like imagine, for example, let's say Alejandro Kirk gets snubbed, right? Which I don't think he will because literally the whole fucking country is voting for this guy. But as they should, let's say he gets snubbed. And then you have a fuck it. You have like some Trump. random guy on the A's in the fucking All Star game. Like, Sean what? Murphy, I guess their catcher. Like, Sean Murphy, like what the fuck are we doing? It's just, I just think it's just the dumbest, most makes the product thing. worse. It does. Makes the product worse. Do you? How degenerate? Do you? Would you gamble on the All Star game? <laughs> yeah, I would too. Yeah. I love it. I love and it. home run derby and like yeah, yeah, anything that you can give me a line and I can find an edge. But I don't like, like I'm a degenerate, but I'm not gonna like hammer it. But, like, I will have action, for sure. Yeah, you have to. You have yeah. to have action for that. Like, maybe, like, a uh, Vladdy home run or MVP yeah. or whatever. Like Over that's just... something. something. And you made a good TikTok the other day because there is a lot. And, listen, I get the com- like I get the comments in that Jay's podcast I do. There is a lot of so-and-so Vladdy truthers now out there that, like, he's not as good as his stats were last year, all that type of shit. He's leading the team in fucking home runs, by the way. Let's just get that out of the way. What is... Even you can argue that for Juan Soto too. Juan Soto's been struggling, but these two guys are always going to hit. Like no matter what, it's just their yeah. struggles. I can't believe they're like I'm even saying this. The people that argue that Vladdy's not good anymore, or Soto can't hit, or just all that type of shit, they should be sent to the moon. They should be. Well, you're, I think you're probably right there. But like for example, like those kind of takes, like what that shouldn't even get under your skin because you know, like that's just it's just it's like it's like me like in your comments being like the sky is red, and you're like. No, it isn't. Like, yeah. no, it isn't. I don't know so, that. But it's funny. It is funny, though, because the most hate we've ever gotten on a TikTok, not like actual hate, because we give out baseball takes. Like, I mean, what are you going to freak out? But yeah. like actual, like the most disagreement of the most people at us, like I even got DMs about it, was ranking Vladimir Guerrero at two for first baseman and having Freddie Freeman at one. And our reasoning behind it was, I know what Freddie Freeman's going to give me. You know what Freddie Freeman's going to give me. Everybody knows what Freddie Freeman's going to give me. He's going to hit 300. He's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to play great defense. And he's going to be a cog that is incredibly important in the Dodgers locker room. We know that. So I said, I know what I'm going to get from Freddie. 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 I don't know what I'm going to get from Vladdy because we just saw one of the greatest seasons of all time. I was actually on shameless plug i had vladimir guerrero jr to lead the league in home runs before that year started because what i was watching in spring training was that every ball he hit was 110 miles an hour like every single one and i'm thinking to myself all right he lost 40 pounds it's here this is going to be the season but mike petriello came out with a great article basically saying the 
the book is out on Vladdy, which is a which is a very clickbaity title. Yeah. yeah. But I appreciated it because what it dove into is what Vladdy was struggling with, struggling with high velo because you know the the greatest thing in baseball right now is the high fastball, right? But Vladdy can hit the high fastball. So the problem is, is the way pitchers are now adjusting to hitters, it's high fastball, and then you tunnel off it with a breaking ball. But with Vladdy, you can't throw high fastballs. He's going to send it to the moon. So what they've been doing is low and hard. And you saw Vladdy's ground ball rate spike. Like he wasn't hitting any balls in the air. But the max exit velos, the average exit velos, they're fine because he's hitting the ball still so hard because he's still Vladdy. But the way they're pitching him is he's not getting those same high fastballs that he can elevate anymore. So now we're just seeing pitchers adjust to Vladdy. And then now what we've seen in June is him starting to heat up again because he's too good to have more than a month and a half adjustment period. Similar to Juan Soto. Like these guys aren't God. They're going to have struggles. They're 23, 24 years old. When big league pitchers and every analytics department all come together to try and get you out at 23, it's going to be a little challenging. But these guys are way too good for me ever to write them off. And like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. may lead the league in home runs again because he's going to have a July where we're like, all right, Vladdy just hit 15 home runs oh, in July. Dude. Like, <laughs> that's what I was saying. And I made a TikTok where I was smiling and looking off into the uh, distance. Yeah, that's I what like, I was talking about. Yeah, Vladdy and Soto summer is coming. And I just like, it makes me legit happy to think about. Dude, it's just when Vladdy's launching baseballs and it just, it, it's a site you just, it, you can't describe it to people that haven't seen it. You just have to see it live. Like when the ball flies off his bat, it's just different. Like it's just, it's so different. But for that analysis, like, have you noticed that? Have you noticed the pitching low in the zone, the yeah. hard ground balls, the not elevating? One thing that I noticed that pitchers do a lot with him that he's adjusted really well. I think he's at two home runs this weekend, but was the breaking balls that are in the outside part of the zone that go out. And he's so he'll he's worked on not chasing it. He hasn't chasing it as bad, but when he does, it looks really bad. But He'll, he'll get like a mistake every now and again where it's at end, middle, end or whatever. But once he figures that outside part of the plate out, what the fuck are pitchers going to do to him? Because you can't you can't throw that then anymore. You can't throw up. His hot area is going to be the whole zone. And he's only 23. So he has so much time to figure that out. So it just I, I love and it's him and it's the Jays fans that shirt Boba Shat. It just it's crazy. Like it's that's just- exactly what happened to Judge this year. He stopped chasing that low and away slider. Yeah. And now nothing gets by him. He's, oh my God, dude. And Vladdy's, Vlad, I will say this still, as a Yankee fan, Vladdy's a better hitter than judges. I still think so. I really do still think so. Imagine when he figures it all out. And you got to think, that's like, how old is Judge? Like three, four years old? He 29. Be, yeah, he's six years older than fucking Vladdy. Like six. And like, imagine Vladdy, oh my God, Vladdy when he's 29 is going to be... Jacob DeGrom started getting good at 26. Yeah, exactly. I, that's why it's also with prospect fatigue. Like, we just give up on guys so quickly. Like, because a guy who's 21 years old came up to the majors and struggled, but the 23-year-old in A who's, like, killing there is better? Or, so that, that that's just the thing. It's like, we have to give these guys more chances. Like, they're so young, and we see some of the greatest players being good at 26, 27. Those are the primes. Anything we get before those primes is gravy. And Vladdy is oh, pumping dude. gravy all over Blue Jays fans. I'm just, it, it, I'm excited. And listen, uh, you want to talk about value? I think there's genuine value tonight in taking the Orioles. Like it's a wild take. Oh, I said that too. It's the Jays are minus. Listen, if you are like a, if, if you're you getting new to gambling here, if you see a team minus three fifty, 
just take a flyer on the other side. Like I did, I did the same thing with the Pirates against the Dodgers. Yeah, exactly. It's just minus three fifty. The people that will throw that in parlays and stuff like that. What the fuck? It doesn't add any value. All it could do is just decrease it if it loses. It's just the dumbest thing. Like just throwing the minus three fifty or our turn making them run line when they're minus three fifty. It just I don't like it. I hate it. That's why I'll probably be taking the Orioles plus two and a half tonight, which is almost plus money, which is wild that that's even a fucking thing. But yeah, it just, I don't get it. I really don't. Here's here's my thing, the way I explain it. And I think this, this explanation has, has worked for some people who now start to agree with me that didn't. Why do we love baseball? Because anything can happen. So why would you lay minus 350 on a game where you know anything can happen? That's why you love it. You love baseball because the underdog can win at any time and anything can happen. And that's what makes baseball so amazing that it's not scripted, that the analytics cannot predict the score, that anything can happen, that Kyle Bradish can beat Alec Manoa on any given night. So with the minus 350 line, your implied probability of that game hitting is like 80%. Yeah. But no team wins any matchup. 80% 80% of the time, of course, you have runs where it's like, oh, Peter, you know, Alec Manoa against the Orioles is 10 and 2, whatever in his career. And that's 80%. Whatever. Any given day, a team does not win 80% of the time. Therefore, a minus 300 value is never the play, no matter what. I don't care if it's, I don't care. I mean, Jacob DeGrom and the Mets versus Kyle Bradish and the Orioles. It does not matter. Anything it really happens. doesn't. It really, anything happens. So that is a good point. But, and by the way, I think we will be getting Michael Chavis on the podcast. I just texted the bullpen catcher. I'm like that's I said, fire. I'm all in on Michael Chavis now. I'm I'm going all in on Michael Chavis. That's my guy now. Like that's that's the analytic guy that you just can't. Go I don't know what side. it is, but I will be finding that stat. Like it, I like I will pickpocket something. He's a 380 hitter career on grass, and that is the only thing that I will just bring up in arguments for Michael Chavis is he's a 380 hitter on grass. I don't know, but we'll figure it out. But the last thing I want to talk about is obviously so. This year, the the dead ball, everyone's arguing the dead ball shit. And obviously, I see it all the time. I, I believe I posted it because Vladdy hit a ball 108 in the air, and it caught at the warning track. And I was like, I just can't. I can't do this anymore. Where do you stand on the dead ball shit? Because you can't give us you can't give us juiced baseballs where I am rock hard watching the baseball. Every ball is out. It's just the greatest thing of all time. Awesome. Every over hits. It's just the greatest. And now the the pitchers are talking about like I was playing Call of Duty with Musgrove a couple of weeks ago and he was like every ball we get is different it's yeah. just wild where do you stand on this that's the key exactly what Joe said that's the key is that they continue to give out different baseballs that's the point can we get a consistent baseball please can we get a ball that pitchers don't have to figure out grips every fifth day Can we get a baseball that's consistent that we just use all year that we don't have to figure out which ball we're using? It's not that hard of an ask. It's like in the NBA. Imagine if sometimes we got basketballs that were slick off rims and sometimes they weren't. Are you kidding me? Or footballs that were a little bit, you know, with deflate gates, some of the balls had a little bit more air out of them. So some games we have to figure that it's going to be easier for wide receivers to catch. Do you know how insane that sounds that even as a sport, we have to deal with that? It's insane. That's the point. I don't care if the ball is dead or if the ball is super juiced. Can we just have the same one for a year? So 
that's my take on it. And also, it, it really has to do with the humidors too. I mean, it's it's clear that the these new humidors that they put in, they're adjusting to them, and that the, it's never before seen. Like this is new in ballparks like this. It's just all a shit show. It's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. It's pathetic that in the game of baseball, a guy who's legit, you could make the argument that there's guys. Obviously, there's guys that are fighting for jobs every single day. They have to worry about stepping on a mound out of the bullpen and having no fucking idea what they're touching in their hand. Like, is this going to be, are the seams going to be out on this one? Are the seams going to be in? Is this going to be sticky? Is this going to be fucking like a bowling ball in my hand? It's wild that like there's guys that are fighting for jobs that have no fucking idea the instrument they're using on the field is going to feel like. We start Lasno have Tommy John surgery and he said it was because he couldn't grip the ball and like hurt his elbow. Are you kidding? You guys are now getting injured because of the ball? Imagine Steph Curry breaking his wrist because the ball weighs more in his hand now. It's wild. And and this is how we'll end it. And I think this is gonna be a great discussion. I'm all in on robo umps. I, I don't know if you are. I am all fucking in on robot umps. I can't deal anymore with having guys, like I mentioned earlier, fighting for positions, fighting to play every day in the major leagues. And you get guys getting fucking hosed on calls. Like these outside fastballs on a 1-1 count that could change it to 2-1 or 2 or 1-2. And they don't get a call their way because an umpire, Angel Hernandez, is calling a four-inch outside fastball a strike. I need robot umps. I don't know if it's going to be foolproof, but I guarantee you it's, we're not going to be seeing 89% scorecards like we have been. Here's my take. Can we just hire the best umps? Because a lot of there's a lot of really good umpires. There's a lot of guys who turn out 99% scorecards. But then there's the idiots that are like at 85%. And we continue just to let them umpire big games. Why not treat an umpire like any other job? I mean, this isn't even like a hot take. Treat the umpire job as any other job. You, you treat the players, you judge them based on data. Why can't we judge the umpires based on data? Like, Hey, this umpire is getting 99% scorecards. He's really good. Let's put him in the big games. Oh, no, you know what? Angel Hernandez has been around for 10 years. Let's put him in. That literally makes no sense. My thing was with robot umpires. I would be I would be down for them if they are perfect and it doesn't take a lot of time in between. That's when, fine. But you know they're not going to be perfect. You know there's going to be things breaking down. And then imagine like you're in the middle of the fifth inning and we got to deal with a broken down robo umpire. Are you kidding oh, me? Fuck, oh, my God. I mean... You're talking about a missed call here and there. You're talking about the human element, which sometimes can be exciting. Imagine that happening. Like, oh my God, the robot broke. And you know that's going to happen because it's not like MLB is perfect with their technology either. That's my thing there is like the robot umpires, they have to be perfect and there can be no replay and they got to move it along super smoothly, then down. But I think the more logical option is stop hiring shit umpires and start hiring the good ones. And then I'm okay with the 99%. He's going to miss a call. He's a person. But I'm still going to get the arguments between managers and umpires, which are great. Yeah. So that's... that's You know what? You just fucking swung me. I'm rarely swung. I'm I'm a very hard head. You just swung me with that. And another good point that just to kind of bounce back off what you said, why isn't there like a system where it's like major leagues, minor leagues? Like, for example, Adrian Hernandez goes 85%, send his ass to fucking AAA until he figures it out. Like, it's just wild that there's just no – I'm all for I, – I imagine, like, a post-game press conference for umpires, like, having them having to answer fucking questions. I'd be electric. There's just no accountability ever. And then you have Joe West here 
saying that their scorecard is different than what we see, which is a basic fucking strike zone. It doesn't make any sense. They have this union that has been like has a stranglehold over it for the last half century. And they're all so tight. And it's like, well, I don't want to be the umpire to speak out. And, you know, then they won't have my back. So no one's going to speak out. No, the good umpires are going to say anything because they're going to keep getting jobs and they don't care if the bad umpires are there. That just makes their name look even better. So that's the problem. And then nobody's going to fix it because that union is so strong. So we're just in this shit holding pattern of bullshit. True. That's a great point. That's, that's a great point. That's how we'll end it. I mean, I'm excited. Like, listen, we are in such, and this sounds cliche, but especially you and I being Yankees and Yankee and Jays fans, every single game is just as electric as it gets. You never know. Like if the Yankees go on a, are you kind of mentally preparing for the Yankees to go on a little slide here? Of course I am. Like, are you, do you know, like, cause last year they had that run and then they just fucking lost every game. It felt like, and Yankee fans wanted to murder Aaron Boone. They wanted to murder everyone. Are you mentally preparing for that? Cause I already went for through that as a Jays fan last month. So I know what it is like, are you preparing for that? So I, I, you know, I said at the beginning of the episode and I I said at the beginning of the season, I was like, this Yankees team is going to be better. Will they win the world series? I don't know, but I know that this roster is better and they won 92 games last year. That goes to show something that the Yankees should be one of the perennial favorites, but I also know the Yankees very well. And I know when these big guys, they start getting into the summer months and they start not seeing the ball very well. Maybe DJ isn't hitting. They start getting in slides where it looks like, you have a high school team up there that will happen this season. But the thing is with how much I'm watching the Yankees, it doesn't seem like those stretches will be very long. That's yeah. what I think. Cause I see the Yankees starting to go on a slide and I'm like, okay, this is where it's coming. But then they, then they get right back around. They get, score eight runs. So it's like, they're having those stretches that I've said, but they're just not as long as they've been in other years. That's where I think the Yankees are being so much better is that those stretches are coming but I think they're just going to be shorter than they were. Maybe instead of a nine game stretch where they can't hit, it's shortened to four and then they win a couple more games. That's where they're making up for lost time. So that's my thing with the Yankees. They're going to continue to go through slides, but I don't think they're going to be as long as previous years. That's a gut. And there it is. I mean, so, and I have another suggestion here. So this is what I'm thinking we should do because you're an analytic guy. You're smart. Credit to you for that. I'm not the brightest. I'm like a manalytics type of guy. I'm a field. But the guy. thing is, like, I try and be a field guy too. Like, I I know the analytics, but I'm I try and use my field to help the analytics almost. So we'll do this. So maybe we'll do a couple gambling picks a week together. But you use analytics, and the last pick will be for me manalytics. Nothing. The do method where a team's lost four games, where I'm like, all right, I gotta bet them here. They've won four in a row. They're gonna lose this game. That's a good mix for the people because one, it takes the heat off you because I'll probably just get roasted the most in the comments, which is fine, which is what I usually get. But that's a good mix. Like you're, like I said, you're the bright guy. You know the stuff. You study players and shit. I look at a game and I'm like, I don't know who this pitcher is, so I'm going to bet against them or I'm going to take the over just because I'm watching the game and I want to <laughs> see an over. You know what I'm saying? So maybe that's what we could do. So like a, a, a collab where it's like, you go analytic for your picks. My picks are just based off of my dumb brain, just using the do method or because it's dark out. I, I don't know, but we'll figure something out. I think we'll figure something out. And the do method could work tonight with that Marlins Phillies, because that's where feel meets analytics. Cause I got to fade the analytics sometime because they're not always going to last. 
just because Martin Perez had a 0.31 ERA on the road and like a very low FIP on the road doesn't mean I'm not going to fade him with the White Sox who have the best offense against lefties. Like sometimes that has to end and it ended against the White Sox. Of course, though, I took White Sox money line. The Rangers then scored 11 runs and I ended up losing that bet. But like my fade on Martin Perez made sense. So it's like, that's why gambling is so tough. It's because no matter where you go, you can still get blown up. That's why we love baseball, and that's why you never take minus 350 ever. That's a great point, and uh, that's how we'll end it. So let them know where they could find you, the people, the listeners, because obviously we have a pretty good Canadian listening as well, majority American, obviously. But let the people know where they could find you. It was a pleasure to have you on, man. Electric stuff. Keep doing your thing. And obviously I respect you for not commending, not giving into the comment section, which is what mud boy over here, me. I love it. So just let the people know where they can find you. I appreciate you, my man. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter's at PeterApple23. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of JustBaseball.com, which is our website where we're releasing articles literally every second. Um, we have our TikTok at JustBaseballFans and our Instagram at JustBaseballShow. And then, um, on, yeah, on TikTok, like I'm giving out picks every single day, as well as I write a full article on JustBaseball.com. So if you want to tell those, follow my picks on Twitter. That's where you find me. There it is. Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for doing this. Welcome to the official and official clan now. So anyone comes at you, we I roast them as well. That's what I always do for guests of the show. So I and got to, I got and my we'll guys. do that in turn for you too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to officially unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you. <laughs>